Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and it is my goal to inspire others to live the lives they've always wanted. While you're listening, if you would leave a five-star review of the podcast, it would help me tremendously, and I'd be incredibly grateful. If the infectious energy and excitement for life of my guest today sound familiar, it's because he joined me a couple weeks ago and gave me the opportunity to share a bit more about myself. In episode 138, PJ took the reins of the podcast and asked me some of the most thought-provoking questions I've ever been given the opportunity to ponder. And again, after today's episode, I'm so grateful to have met this man. PJ is an international speaker and success strategist who focuses on results. Despite his disability, which was expected to take his life by age seven, he chose to live and live well. PJ truly lives an extraordinary life, sailing, outdoor skydiving, indoor skydiving, trapezing, ziplining, hiking, mountain climbing, snow skiing, water skiing, aqua jetpacking, and the list goes on. He's a former wheelchair athlete, international traveler, amateur watercolorist, founder of two nonprofit organizations and four disabled sports programs, a published author, 10th degree black belt, martial arts and women's self-defense instructor, and a meditation teacher. Additionally, PJ has been inducted into the National Hall of Fame for People with Disabilities, awarded the Distinguished Gold Dragon Medal from Majinkin International Dojo, recognized with the Extremely Rare Communication and Leadership Award from Toastmasters International, and was nominated to carry the Olympic torch through Tucson in 2002. Once you finish this episode, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to episode 138 if you haven't already. Not necessarily to get to know me better, but to experience PJ on a whole different level. Please welcome back to the podcast, my good friend, PJ. PJ, brother, how are you? Fab Five Freddy, baby. I'm doing great. I'm super glad to be here. Me me too. We're in a little... uh, different of a space here. I, I don't always have the opportunity, and I give you full credit for this because it was your idea, uh, to speak with somebody or to, one, be interviewed by someone and then have the opportunity down the line to actually flip the script and, and interview them. So, um, you know, I, I need to say I have gotten so much wonderful feedback about our episode <laughs> together, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I actually just got a text from a friend out in Florida. Uh, she listened to the episode last night, um, and she just she had nothing but incredible things to say about you in the episode. So thank you for doing that. And um, I I think it was a success. Well, brother, I'm super glad that I was able to do that with you and for you. I just find you to be such an incredible human being, such a kind man. And the world really needs more exposure to kind men. And so I thought what a great opportunity for your audience to get to know you better. So it was really exciting for me to do that with you and for you. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it, it's, it bears stating that you are the kindest of, of them all. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's exceptionally important to, to emphasize that because one, I mean, you're, you're, um, the, the way you held yourself in that conversation was phenomenal. It made me feel good. I think it made the audience feel good. Um, and so of course I, I thank you for that, but along those lines, 
I, I certainly don't disagree with you. I think we need more kind men, kind women, kind humans. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad to be a, a, I'm glad to share that voice with you as we promote our messages. Um, mm-hmm. You, you yourself speak on stages, you know, promoting that sort of thing. And I'm just, I don't know, what, what do you think it takes for us to be cognizant of how we can be kinder to those around us and the world in which we live? Well, I would say initially all transformation starts with awareness. And so being aware of how the emotions percolate up inside of you um, and being able to catch those emotions, the ones that don't feel good, the ones that are going to cause you to want to apologize later, the ones that are, that are going to cause people to recoil from you, the ones that feel like maybe they may, might be making your tongue sharp. These kinds of emotions, if you can catch them early, then you're able to say, okay, hold on. Is that actually how I want to come across? Um, Viktor Frankl, who wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and voluntarily, from what I understand, uh, went to the concentration camps during the Holocaust um, while the the Nazis were going to keep him out because he was um, a very good psychologist. He opted to go with uh, family and friends instead, um, instead of working with the Nazis. Viktor Frankl suggested that we live every moment twice. And what I gather from what he's saying is that we see it coming and our brain automatically runs through like the scenario of how it's going to go. Right. And then we actually follow with our voice and our body and our actions and, um, and our interactions. And often it winds up going exactly the way we thought it was going to go. Yeah. But instead, what happens when we live through it once and we go, eek, hold on, time out. Do I like that? That's not how I want to show up. And we shift. And those who shift the quickest are the most successful. Yes. And we shift. And when we shift, all of a sudden we shift into something that is more amenable for ourselves, for the other person, for the environment as a whole. Because we always want to make sure that the decisions that we are making are coming from our conscious choices yeah. and not from our unconscious mind, which is usually making all of the decisions for us. So until you actually pause and you look at the inside of yourself, you pay attention to how you physically feel, how you emotionally feel, <clears throat> excuse me, how you are thinking before you let it come out of your mouth, until you get to that place of awareness likely what comes out is going to be whatever reaction is already in there. There's this great saying, I'll, I'll stop with this. There's this great saying by Lama Zopa Rinpoche, uh, Tibetan Buddhist Rinpoche. And he says, no anger inside, no enemies outside. I love that quote. I had not yeah. heard that before. And mm. it, it, it feels really good to think about that. Um, mm. What you just said, everything in regard to how you feel, um, mm. and one thing you said specifically, it's it's very poignant right now. Uh, mm. You had said, you know, when we do things that cause us to apologize later, mm. it, that is on point for me in this moment because, as I mentioned previously, in in the two weeks separating the two. I, I've launched a new podcast called Bits of Happiness, just <laughs> short you know, episodes where I get to talk about things that I've learned in, in, in helping me design a life that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, this past week, I had an episode about integrity. 
Um, mm. This upcoming week, I'm talking about why I decided to quit drinking alcohol. And mm. the two kind of, I mean, the two are very intermingled. And I, I've, I've started thinking a lot more about short form content, especially in regard to TikTok and building an audience and, you know, what people find interest in. And one of the things I started to brainstorm is that that, uh, that that feeling that you get when you you do something that you know isn't necessarily right, or you say something that is might have been intended to be funny, but suddenly you just get this this sinking feeling in your stomach. You mm. get this dry feeling in the, your throat. Your brow mm. starts to sweat sweat a little bit because while one or two people may have laughed, it just didn't feel good coming out. And I think that's that when you start to feel that way, when you start to become cognizant of it, that's when you start to really find that path toward growth and realizing that everything that we we say obviously have an effect on on somebody else and i'm mm. so glad that uh you bring it up in the way that you did because it's 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 so powerful for me right now and i'm really hoping that uh that it resonates with other people you know there's uh, in zen buddhism uh there are riddles that they call koans and one that so many people have heard, really kind of the um, the most popular one, says, what is the sound of one hand clapping? What is the sound of one hand clapping? And so if I ask you that question, what what is the answer that comes up for you? Muted, um, very difficult to hear. Um... I, you know, quiet. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's difficult to do and it's not enjoyable to listen to. The sound of one hand clapping? Yes. Interesting. Fascinating. I, I, I'd love to dig into where you are a little bit more, uh, but just to stay on track. Sure. Um, yeah. I would say that the reason I'm asking this question is it takes two hands to clap against each other. Right. Right. Boom. So we've got one going one direction, the other going the other way. Boom. They clap into each other. They create a, uh, um, an impact, which creates a, a vibration and an um, and kind of an echo in the room that you're in or in the hearts or ears of, of someone else. Right. And so if someone is difficult to deal with and they say something or do something and it hits a part of our ego, we are likely to clap back. We are likely to bite yeah. back. We're likely to say something back. And then many times in romantic relationships specifically, sometimes work relationships, sometimes parent-child relationships, sometimes siblings, friends, all of that, right? But many times in romantic relationships, someone will say something, someone else will bite back. And then there's that, ugh, who, now I have to apologize. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that because I can't take it back. Now I have to try to fix it. You know, and you referenced that um, you don't uh, drink anymore. And really the truth is I really don't either. Right. I mean- I might have two drinks a year, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's almost almost always with one person. Uh, one of my friends here in Tucson, I almost never drink any other time. And, um, and part of that is because back in college, I would wake up in the morning and I would, the first thing out of my mouth would be, or in my mind would be, oh gosh, who do I have to apologize to today? Because I had this arrogance about me, yes, me that needed to be right because I was trying to over um, overcompensate for my physical disability. And I had this need to be right no matter what was going on, even though I was wrong. And I almost lost you know, one of my best friends because of it until I actually said, hey, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. 
and, and my whole life turned 180 degrees around. But it was because I looked inside and realized what I wanted more. I don't believe in sacrifice. I believe in a willing exchange of what you may want for what you definitely want more. And I wanted that friendship. And if you want that relationship that you're in, or you want that job, or you want that connection with your child, um, or you want that relationship with yourself, then I think it's really important for you to be able to look inside and say, okay, how am I sabotaging this? How am I, um, what am I sacrificing versus what am I exchanging? What do I really truly want more of? And just look inside, right? What is the sound of one hand clapping? What is the ego inside of you that someone else, family, friend, child, partner, spouse, colleague, somebody on the street can say or do to you that will boom, smack that ego and cause you to bite back? Yeah. The moment you look inside and you go, ah, there's the culprit. There's the problem. There's my button, my trigger, my string. That's the one thing that's causing me the problems. Because if we remove that, then all of a sudden that suffering goes away. Yes. And so it's not the other person. Blame doesn't really work. It's looking inside and taking 100% responsibility for self and saying, how is it that I am triggered? How is it that I am being bothered by this? How is it that I am, what is it that I am trying to protect and defend? And what image that I'm, am I trying to project that's being challenged or compromised or revealed? And I don't like it. And so when we start to look at that, all of a sudden, that separation from us and others goes away. Yeah. And what's left? Connection, love. My definition of love is this, the willing exchange of oneself for oneness. Yeah. The willing exchange of oneself for oneness. And the reason that I say that is because when you really truly love someone, even a complete and total stranger, when you really truly love, there's a... There's a a lowering of the awareness of self and there's an intensity in the awareness of the love and the connection with the other. Then that becomes oneness. Oh man. That that's absolutely profound. Um, and I really, really love what, I mean, the entire message kind of rings throughout, but I loved what you said about the willing exchange of what you want for what you want more. I think, I think so much of it has to do with self-awareness and mm. I'm not an expert in this field, so I don't want to, I'm not going to try and dig too deep, but so much of self-awareness and accountability and personal responsibility comes from b the ability to think critically, which mm there's an attempt to teach it in schools. And I think that is that attempt is being challenged as we mm -hmm. speak. And it's probably been challenged for many, many, many years, probably long mm -hmm. before my existence. Um, but it, it's, you know, certainly being challenged right now. And that's, that's, that's a scary thought because if we can't learn to question motives, our own, our own feelings, thoughts, if we can't learn to say what we're going to what we're planning on saying in our head first and asking ourselves if that's a good idea or how that is going to affect somebody else, then the growth just becomes, we hit a wall and we, we become stagnant. And then mm -hmm. we just, we, like you say, we clap back, we fire back and we mm -hmm. cause all sorts of pain throughout our mm -hmm. own world and the world around us. Um, but what I really love about the willingness to exchange what you want for what you want more 
Mm. And we continue on that example of alcohol. Mm. For me, I, I, you know, for me, I've always been relatively health, health conscious, but I was always able to justify my over consumption of alcohol. It wasn't moderate. It was, it was definitely over, you know, binge drinking almost every weekend. And so it was definitely, while it it may have bordered on addiction, I don't think it was ever there, but the point Mm -hmm. being, I was still able to remain fit and able to eat relatively healthy, even though I knew that alcohol was damaging, not just my body, but my relationships because I was like you, I, I, I felt like I was arrogant. I needed to be right. I needed to say things to be funny, to be the alpha male, to be mm. the, the life of the party, even if it was at the butt of somebody else's emotions or happiness or, or well-being. You know, for me, it was, uh, I was able to write that off. I was able to you know, make up for it the next day with a, with a half-hearted apology and just move on to the next weekend. But I think so many times, we may want to feel good all of the time. That, that, is, that is my goal. Mm. But we're willing to give up a piece of that in an effort to, I don't know if it's maintain social relationships or maintain, you know, this idea that I'm a fun person or, you know, maintain this idea that I can go out after work and, you know, spend $100 on, you know, picking up a bar tab for, for a woman or for, you know, a group of friends. I, I don't know what it is, but we, we're always able to justify making poor or less than ideal decisions even if, you know, that uh, conflicts with our ultimate goals, because we, I don't know, I I, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I was able to do that, but I just know that I was able to put my own goals off in order to have fun or to to drink. And if people can start to see that and they can start to really, really pursue what they want more than having a little bit of fun, I think we can really start to make improvements in our own lives. Yeah. Let me add a piece to this. Please, What if it's not... What if it's not um, uh, have a uh, to, to hold off on a little bit of fun or uh, work on our goals? What if our goals are our fun? What if it's an and? Right. What if it's have fun and work on our goals? What if working on our goals is fun? Um, then I think we're being more honest with who we really are. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that we're all here. To enjoy our lives. Yes. I believe we're all here to explore and um, to learn and to play and to connect and to experience. And I don't necessarily mean like we're here to learn this great, amazing message in this lifetime right. and then maybe move on to another lifetime or pass into the great eternal or just die and you're done. Um, I do believe that um, this idea of really enjoying our lives makes a massive difference in how we show up. So if you are looking at your life and saying, I'm not really where I want to be. Okay. Well, how do we get you there? Right. Like what's standing in your way? I love to say, seek not to love more, but instead to remove the obstacles separating you from love. Seek not to love more, but instead remove the obstacles separating you from love. And I could take the word love out and say, seek not to achieve more, but instead to remove the obstacles separating you from your achievement. Seek not to be more successful, but instead to remove the obstacles separating you from that success. Seek not to connect more with your spouse or your partner, but instead to remove the obstacles separating you from your spouse or your partner. Yeah. It's always the thing that's in the way. And so 
when we come back to what we were talking about before, about like having that internal awareness, if you just speak from your heart, you don't have to worry about what comes out. Right. But when we're in our head, in that mental maze, and we're like heavy in our head, and we're super cerebral and super cognizant of like every like shift. And we'll, if I say it this way, they they might respond in, in a particular way. And what if that like triggers me? And then I don't want that. Oh, there's too much in there. There's too much in our head. So with my own clients, I try to get you just to shift, just settle out of your your mind, feel your face for a minute. Yeah. Now that you feel your face, can you feel your ears and your jawline, your lips? Can you feel your uh, the under part of your chin where it joins your neck? Can you feel your neck? Can you feel your upper chest and your shoulders, your upper back? Can you feel your chest and your and your back? Can you feel your biceps and your triceps? Can you feel your abdomen area, your lower back, your your stomach, your lower abdomen, your lower arms, your hands? Can you feel your your bottom, your hips, um, your groin area? Can you feel your legs? You know, and I move them all the way down to the bottoms of their feet, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I feel that. I'm like, okay, now go back to your heart. Can you feel that part in your in your chest? Yeah, I can feel that. Okay. Now, can you settle that from where your heart is? Can you feel the area where your diaphragm is? Just let that settle down. Like, just settle as if, you know, it's, you know, mud settling in a, a water, a glass of water that's stopped spinning. And yeah, okay, I can feel my diaphragm. Okay, now can you feel down just a little bit lower into your belly button area? Yeah, I can feel my belly button area. Okay. Now settle just a couple, three, four inches, maybe below that. Can you feel that part just around the center of your hips, below your belly button? And people go, yeah, I feel that. And I go, do you also feel how quiet your mind became? And they go, yeah, I feel that. And I go, doesn't that feel better? And they go, yeah, that feels a lot better. So from there, you can speak from that space. Yeah, Makes it easier to speak from your heart. And you don't have to worry about what comes out of your mind and what comes out of your mouth because only truth comes out then. Yes. Yes. Do, do you meditate? Are you a meditator? Yeah, I've been meditating since I was 19. How, what's that, how's that changed for you over the years? Has it been a consistent practice? Have you, have you evolved it? Are you, are, do you do transcendental meditation or just more of a quiet uh, sitting with yourself and you know, focusing on mindfulness? So great question. I actually have several different, because I teach meditation also. Okay. Well, there are quite a number of meditations that I, that I have on hand for myself, as well as what I teach for my clients. Um, mostly, I just do a form of Zazen, which is silencing the mental chatter, just silencing the mind. Um, but there's one thing that's really fun that I'll share with you. Yeah. Um, well, let me share two things. Please. One, my very first meditation ever I'm reading the book, the book. Let me start again. <laughs> Try again. Try two. Start one. Um, so I'm 19. I come home from college. My sister's 13. She goes, read this book. I was like, Carrie, I don't read. She goes, read this book. I was like, Carrie, I don't read. And my sister's an avid reader. I could say, Carrie, uh, Carrie. And I'm literally, I remember sitting on the fireplace um, next to her, right side by side, shoulders touching. Yeah. And I say, Carrie, Carrie. Carrie, what? Didn't you hear me? No, I'm reading. You didn't hear me? No, I'm reading. Wait, you didn't, you really didn't hear me? I'm not, I'm reading. No, I didn't hear you. What do you want? And like, I, so I'm, I'm so fascinated that my sister can lose the entire world when she reads. Yeah. Well, she goes, read this book. I'm like, ugh, fine, I'll read it. And it was Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Siddhartha was a story of the Buddha, um, Gautama Buddha. And I was like, when I read it, 
I, I was just blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is how I believe. This is how I believe. How, I didn't know anybody else in the world believed like I believe this is how I believe. And it just sang to my soul, spoke to me so deeply that I sat in meditation after reading that book for the first time by myself. Nobody ever teaching me how. And when I woke from the meditation, I was so still and so, I'm just going to say still because there's no other word. Yeah. Um, and I like to say this. I say, um, Einstein said, nothing changes until something moves. Nothing changes until something moves. And he's right when you talk about physics in the physical world. Right. But spiritually, I like to say nothing changes until you become still. Yeah. When you become deeply and profoundly still, everything changes. <clears throat> so I sat in meditation for my first time at 19 after reading this book. And no one else was in the house. And my bedroom was at the top of the stairs. <clears throat> Even though I was in a wheelchair, I could climb up and down the stairs at the time. Um, and when I woke from the meditation, I legitimately remember feeling and the, then becoming aware of if somebody had kicked in the front door and stormed up the stairs with a gun and put the gun in my face, they would have stopped and they would have looked at me and they would have literally walked backwards and then gone down the steps and left because I was so completely powerful Yeah. in that one moment because I was in presence. We hear all the time people talking about be in the present. Yeah. But the problem is being in the present is limiting. But being in the presence with a capital P is liberating. Being in the present is limiting. But being in the presence with a capital P is liberating. And what I mean by that is I'm limited by my five senses to be aware of the present moment. Right. But when I shift out of those and I become aware of the everything, the allness, the all that is, when I'm in that presence and connected with all consciousness, there's stillness. And in that stillness is complete power. And not power over others, right. but just pure, unadulterated, untainted, unmodified, power that can be turned into anything freely and easily um so let me tell you this uh this quick mantra yeah um okay and this is the i think this may be the first time i've ever shared this what i do um and i do this with several different mantras in my own live events <clears throat> and so um just bar I'm a, I'm a student of religion so i'll borrow things from religions that speak to me right? because I figure religion is just a language of God. Yeah. Um, and so, and it just so happens that I speak multiple, multiple languages of religion. Right. Right. Um, and so there's the phrase that says in the Christian Bible that says, I am that I am. And so what I'll do with my clients and I'll do this for myself sometimes too, and it's powerful. I'll just sim simply start repeating. I am that I am. 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 And I'll do it over and over and over repetitiously until all of a sudden I go, wow, I'm learning something. And then as I'm learning something, and maybe I don't consciously know exactly what I'm learning, but I'm feeling something. I'm tapping into something. I'm connecting with something. And so then after that, I start to get to a point then where I peak and I start to come down. And as I'm coming down, I'm getting less and less and less. 
It's just sound now. Right. So then what I'll do is I'll emphasize a word. I am that I am. 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 And I'll play with it until it, I'm, you know, until I start getting lessons and wisdom. And then what I'll do, and I, I may say, I am that I am. I am that I am. I am that I am. Right? Because maybe there's something in there and I'm like, okay, let me let me excavate it a little bit more. Let me dig into it a little bit more. Let me let me see what's here. There's something I can feel it in my mind, in my brain, in my body, in my spirit, in my soul, and my heart, and the energy around me. I just I feel like there's something here, like there's a magnet just drawing me to some kind of wisdom here. So I'll just say it over and over and over, emphasizing that particular word, maybe, and then maybe I'll go on to a different word. And then when that's run its course, then I'll start dropping the last word. I am that I, I am that I, I am that I, I am that I. And then I'll go to the emphasis of the words. I am that I, I am that I, I am that I, right? And I'll do that more and more and more. And then I'll drop a word again. And again, I'll do it until I've gotten the wisdom and the knowledge. Then I'll drop the last word until I go, I am that, I am that, I am that. I am, I am, I am, I, 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 until I get the wisdom that is there in that particular mantra for me for that particular day. And then I'll wake from that and I'll do whatever I'm called to do. But often what I'm called to do is just sit in the presence for a while and just let it melt into me let it integrate into me let it nurture my heart my body my mind my soul that's amazing i um i have never experimented with mantra based meditation um Mm. and it sounds extremely powerful the way you Mm. describe it I'm, i'm wondering you know as your meditation practice kind of evolved over the years do you have you continued to receive a, a steady, um, a steady uh, a benefit from it? Has it kind of has it uh, gone up and down? I mean, has it has it, uh, I, or have you just continued to see increasing uh, benefit from from your practice just over the years as you've gotten better and become more in tune with yourself and your body? Has it just continued to skyrocket? Yeah, it's a constant, it's a continuum. And the reason for that is that if if God or the universe is infinite, yeah. then there's an infinite number of um, areas in our life that we can let something go. Yeah, and That's what meditation is about. It's about letting go. And if there's an infinite number of areas, then that means in each area, there's an infinite number of things that we can let go of. Right. And if there's an infinite number of things, each one of those things has an infinite number of layers that we can let go of. So meditation just allows you to tap into the infinity times infinity times infinity in terms of what there is to release and let go. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, um, if you don't mind, I might, uh, I might Mm -hmm. try borrowing that, that mantra the next time I meditate. 100%. And then I would love to hear like how it goes for you. Remember though, it's three tier, right? Yes. One, you say the mantra Yeah. and then Two, you start to, after you've like, you've elevated all of your learning and remember the learning may not be in your ears. 
the learning may not be in your mind. The learning may be in just this sensation in your being. Yeah. It may just be a sensation where you're just filled up and you're just like, oh my God, just more, more, more. I'm plugged in, I'm plugged in, I'm plugged in. More, more, more. Download, download, download. It's, oh, it's so delicious. And then you'll you'll start to go hit your apex and you'll start to come down. That's when you'll start to um, put the, act, the accentuation on right. individual words. And then once that like apexes and comes down, then you'll drop that last word and you'll start the whole process again with a new, the new sentence. Yeah, perfect. Okay, and I, I promise you, I, I will let you know uh, how that goes. Yeah, bro, me. I would love to hear. It. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited now. Awesome. Ooh, I love this. It's so delicious. Like when when I do this with people, um, and they're saying it simultaneously together, and it just. Yeah. It starts to sound like a singing bowl. If we've got people in a circle, for example, yeah. it starts to sound like a um, uh, like a, a crystal um, singing bowl. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And especially when you're doing OM, because it just sounds like oh. Yes, I love that. It's so cool. <laughs> I love this stuff. Okay, I'm totally, I'm totally nerding out now. No, that's awesome. And I, you know, I, I want to, I want to take that opportunity to point out. I mean, I, I, I love your excitement. It is, it's mm. so incredibly infectious. And it, mm. it, 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 I, I, I guess I'm, I try my best to match level of enthusiasm, and I, I find it not difficult, but more of a challenge to match your level of enthusiasm and vigor for life, not just during mm. this conversation, but just in my day-to-day, especially since the first or even second time we spoke. Mm. Um, uh, as we talked about uh, when you uh, you graciously interviewed me, this is obviously not a video podcast, but you've mentioned a handful of times that you, you yourself, you're, you're in a wheelchair, but yeah. I... I I don't know. I, I want to know more about your story. And full disclosure, I mean, I find myself as an able-bodied person, I, you know, feeling uncomfortable pointing that out. But I re- sit here reading your bio. I sit here thinking about all of the incredible things that you've done in your life. And I, I feel not envious because I, I, I do think that's a dirty word. But, you know, I, I feel like I want to do all that PJ is doing because he's living this incredible life, not despite his disability, but because he has this interest in living his best possible life. And I, mm. I don't know, I just I want to learn more about the mindset and the the this 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 excitement that you have for for life that you, you talk to anybody in the street and they don't have half of what you have. And it's just, it's, it's mm. so incredible to me. Mm. Well, I'm very honored by that. Thank you. Um, I would honestly say that it does come down to that simple fact that I want to live. Yeah. I was only expected to live until I was seven years old. I'm, you know, at the time of this podcast, I'll be 53 by the, basically like a month after we, we published this podcast. Yes. And that means I've lived 46 years longer than I was ever expected to. Yeah. Um, now, A, I'm not, you know, we should never tell our age, whatever, <laughs> right? I don't care. B, um, by putting a date on this, like it sort of dates the podcast. And so sure. people are like, oh, now you can't use it in the future. Whatever, dude. I don't care. I'm just being honest. Right. But yeah. the fact is I've lived 46 years longer than I was supposed to. I want to live, bro. Yes. Like I literally want to live another 100 years at least. Yes. I'm too darn curious to die. Like, I want to know, like, do we make it to Mars? Do we start a colony? Do aliens exist? Yes. I hope so. Me too. Right? Are they going to land on the lawn of the, of the of, of Washington? <laughs> Are they going to land in Sedona? Like, I don't care where they land. Just yeah. pop out and be like, hey, man, we're here. You know, like, I really want to know that. Are Like, are we going to unite as a global uh, society? Yeah. Instead of, um, you know, instead of all these separations and factions, 
Are we going to create AI? How is AI going to impact the world? What are the next, um, what's the next generation's life going to look like? Are we going to, you know, can I have um, a, a quadcopter for myself? I want to be able to fly. Yes. Like, I still want to be able to fly. I still want to be able to surf. I still want to uh, jump out of another plane. I still want to do indoor skydiving again. I want to go snow skiing again. I want to live in another country. There's about 40 different languages I want to speak. I want to, you know, there's so much to do um, that it's crazy for us to not be like drinking in life. Like, what does your food taste like? Do you even remember what you ate this morning? And when you don't, it's because you probably just ate and you were busy doing something else and you didn't, you weren't mindful. Mindful, meaning my mind is full of the presence. Yeah. More like my mind is full of the present. My being should be full of the presence. Yeah. Um, And so I just genuinely want to be alive. And my mom at four years old, she said, uh, she saw me standing outside with my little fingers through the chain link fence crying. And she came outside one morning and she's like, why are you crying? Are you okay? Did somebody hurt you? Are you hurt? And I said, no, I want to go to school, mommy, because I've just watched my friends, my older friends in the neighborhood, get on a school bus and go off to school. Yeah. And I wanted to go to school. So my mom took me into the doctor and the doctor said, she said, he wants to go to school. Can I send him to school? And the, the doctor said, if you send him to school, he'll be dead by seven. He'll be dead by second grade is what he said. My mom thought about it for a minute and she said, well, it's his life and he gets to choose. And so whatever he wants to do. And the doctor said, you understand that he'll be dead. And she said, it's a risk I have to take. It's his life. And she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to school, mommy. And she took a breath and she said, okay. You know, and that's how my life started. You know, my sister and I, sure, we were praised for doing a good job, but we were really praised for trying. And research has demonstrated that when you raise children um, and praise them for trying and the effort and continue to encourage that they keep trying, that they succeed far and away above other people, and they tend to be significantly happier than the kids that were praised just for doing a good job. Why? Primarily because if you praise me for doing a good job and then I'm faced with a task that I've never done before, what does my mind do? It freaks out. I don't know if I can do it. What if I don't do it well? What if I do it wrong? What if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if somebody laughs at me? Oh, no, I can't do it. Ah, too much anxiety. But if I'm praised for trying, then what happens when I come across something I've never done before? I go, I don't know if I can do it. Let me try. You yes. go, you've never done it before. How are you going to do it? And I go, I don't know, but I'm going to try. And then I don't give up. I just keep going, keep going, keep going. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Until I know I could. I know I could. I knew I could. I knew I could. Praise for trying. I, um, I, I, I kind of love that. And in a culture that I feel like demonizes failure and, I think we're getting better at it. I do. And I've had this conversation a number of times. I think failure is starting to be construed at least progressively as a, as a learning opportunity um, and an ability for us to see how we can do things a little bit different next time. And it's that, that trying that, that let's keep trying. Let's see how we can break through into new technologies. Let's see how we can get to Mars. Let's, let's, despite his, his, uh, eccentricities, you know, Elon Musk is, is pushing us that way and, you know, pushing us for a greener and healthier planet. I, I, I love the fact that there are people willing to try despite the fact that we may be looked at, unfortunately down upon, or we may be criticized for making an attempt at something that is otherwise deemed impossible. And I, I really, 
wish there were more people like you who were willing to give people the the energy the 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 excitement to take on something new, even if their success is limited to, you know, a 20% chance. How can we encourage people to try things that they might be afraid of doing in a world that we get stuck in a nine to five grind and come home, sleep and do it again? How can we try to break the mold that we've kind of cast for ourselves? I would start by saying this curiosity and courage are, contagious. Yeah. Curiosity and courage are contagious. So if you find that you're in that dull humdrum, uh, same old, same old, all you have to do is change the recipe in one, in one way, your life has become a recipe, which means that as long as you do the exact same thing, the end result will taste exactly the same, feel exactly the same, look exactly the same, sound exactly the same, smell exactly the same. And so um, when you do that, it's just a recipe. Yeah. And so all you have to do is start to think about it like a recipe and go, okay, well, what's one thing that I can change? Because if I add one thing to a recipe, the outcome is drastic. Maybe not drastically, but the outcome is different. Right. If I take something out, the, the end result is different. If I add something and take something out, there's likely a drastic change. And so it's a me- it's a matter of measuring. It's a matter of testing. It's a matter of experimenting. It's a matter of like experimenting and excavating. It's just like discovery. Remember when you were a kid and you would look at like caterpillars and butterflies and bugs and, you know, you would explore the woods and you would, you know, climb around on things. What were you doing? You were exploring, you were testing your muscle, you're seeing what your balance is like. You were looking at um, the shapes and the, and feeling the sensations and smelling the smells and Sometimes things ended up in our mouth and we're like, oh, why did I stick that in my mouth, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy stuff. And so why don't we just go, okay, I've got five senses. How can I like experience something different with these five senses today? Or what do I do? What if I just take a different route home? Yeah. What if instead of going home, I decide to say, you know what? I'm going to actually stop at the bookstore tonight and just look at books or I'm going to go to the library. What if instead you say, I'm going to go right here because I know there's a park I'm just going to go sit and breathe for three or four or five or 10 or 15 minutes. And maybe you're there an hour. Maybe you text your significant other and say, Hey, meet me at the park and we'll go get dinner together. Yeah. Right. Just start to change the recipe, add something or take something away or add and take away shift things. Maybe you'll, maybe just, if you're going to take something away, replace it with something, try something slightly different. And yeah. And so these are the ways that you start to um, experience something more. And you go, oh, you know what? I actually like that. That was really good. But you don't get that that data collection and then the analysis of the data collection unless you're actually trying something. See, the universe was built for us. right? Um, and it was built for us. It conspires with us. And I believe that what happens is you're all, I believe there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are free people and there are slaves. Now, listen, a reaction is a slave action, right? A reaction is a slave action. So if I react, probably that was coming from my unconscious mind trying to defend me in some way. And likely that's going to be something I'm going to feel either guilty about or like I need to apologize about um, later on. That's that sucks. That's no good. But we all do it on occasion. And you're going to cycle in and out of freedom and slavery every day throughout the day. Yeah. 
And eventually you'll get to the point where you're more and more and more and more increasingly more free. And that's what we want for people. So um, responsibility, however, reaction is a slave action. Responsibility, however, is a choice. And I say this because when you have choice, responsibility actually is equivalent to freedom because responsibility means, hey, I have a choice. And if I have a choice, then that means I have freedom because I have options. Options means freedom. Okay. And so this is the way the universe happens. The universe is built on options. It's built on a, almost like on this dichotomy, right? An A or a B, an on or an off or an up or a down, an in or an out, right? right? A sweet or a savory. And now I know that it's not just often one or two. Sometimes there's the sweet, there's savory, there's salty, there's sour. And, you know, I get that. Um, but there's, my point is there's choice. Yeah. So then this is what happens. You make a choice. The moment you make a choice, then there's an assessment. There's an immediate assessment. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I want more of it? Do I never want that again? Right? And yeah. then you make a new choice. Every moment, every moment is art. Every moment. And by art, what I mean is awareness, responsibility, technique. Yeah. Awareness or lack of awareness. Responsibility or reaction. Technique, meaning taking action or fear of taking an action. So you procrastinate or because you're afraid or you don't know how to make a decision. And so all of a sudden there's no action, right? The action of inaction. So technique is the action. And so art is how I live my life. Every moment of every day that I'm aware, I can now take responsibility. And then I can choose the technique that's going to help me um, enact the responsibility of what I want. And sometimes it's just a play. Sometimes it's just a rest. Sometimes it's, you know, to sit at the window and just watch the birds. Sometimes it's to get on a plane and say, you know what, I'm going to go on a little adventure. But it's always a choice. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing when you find that willingness to make a small change and whether or not stopping by a park on the way home or even literally adding a different ingredient to your recipe when you see that you're able to enact that change and you're able to perhaps improve your life by 1%, it's just the way that it opens up your mind to new possibilities and your, your body and your spirit. It, it can be so powerful and really helps propel you to, to, to do wanting to do more. And it, it feels there's nothing like it. And I, 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 I love having that freedom, um, that 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 freedom of mindset, that knowingness that I'm I'm able to make slight tweaks and see how it does affect my life, uh, either short term or long term. I did want to ask, and I, when you come face to face with you know making a change, or when you look at technique and you face resistance, how how is it that you kind of work yourself to letting go of that resistance? <laughs> I think that's a really good question. Um, I think there's there. This is a really deep uh, and layered uh, question. So I'll just give you a couple of things real quick. Yeah. A. Uh, first, I recognize that there's likely going to be a challenge, or I recognize in that moment I'm in the challenge, and so I have to sit down myself. And this is something that I've developed recently. I say I'm a man who loves a good challenge. Because two years ago, I lost about 85% of my strength, my physical strength. Three years ago, yeah. I lost about 85% of my physical strength. 
and about 50% of my lung capacity. <clears throat> and so I'm not the same man that I used to be right. physically. Um, I have to have more personal care now. I can't get in and out of my shower myself anymore. I can't jump down off of my um, uh, my my toilet by myself. So I have to have somebody help me down. Um, and so that has massively changed some of my freedom um, and independence. And so when I'm struggling and no one is around and I'm literally stuck to my own devices and I have to figure out how to move, for example, like getting stuck in my bed, like if I roll up in the, uh, or throw the blanket over me and I get stuck in it, um, two weeks ago, it took me 15 minutes to move my body two inches. Yeah. And I still wasn't out of my bed. I wasn't, I was, I still like two more inches away from the edge of the bed and probably three or four inches before I could get my head over the bed and start to use my neck and my head to pull my body a little further until I could fall off my bed and use gravity um, on my side. Yeah. So I have to tell myself, I am a man who loves a good challenge. I am the man who loves a good challenge. I'm the man who loves a good challenge. Right. And the more I tell myself that, the more the anxiety or panic that might arise from, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm stuck. Or, oh my gosh, this challenge is too big for me. All of a sudden that goes away because where's my attention and my focus? I'm a man who loves a good challenge. And that is a good challenge. And so I name something a challenge and then I go after the challenge. Because if you go after the challenge, all it is, it's it's about becoming intimate with a thing. Right. Right. Intimate with a problem. So if I go, okay, there's the challenge. And maybe it's just a rock. If you think physically, like I'm going to learn how to like climb over this rock. And the more I study it, the more I fail, the more I, mistakes I make, the more feedback I get. This is the data, right? So the more you actually do things, you collect that data and the data says, oh, I like this or I don't like this, right? And so that's what it's all about is so if I have this rock in my way, it's an obstacle and I go, okay, well, how do I get over it? How do I get around it? How do I go under it? And I start to explore the rock and learn the rock. I become intimate with the rock. Yeah. With the rock. Because I start to learn all the nooks and crannies. It's just like rock climbing. Yes. I learned everything about that rock, just like bouldering. I learned everything about that rock. And the more I learn about that rock, the more I realize the actual freedom that I have with this rock. Because I know all of its, um, the, its details. Right. And I also know its details in relation to me and my strengths and my weaknesses. So I learn how to navigate that rock. Eventually, that obstacle isn't anything. So I'm taking people on a tour on how to get from A to B and there's this big obstacle in the way and I go, I just climb right up and over it and around it, you know, dig underneath it. And people are like, oh, where'd you go? Like, I don't, I can't do that. How do I do that? I don't know how to do that. And I simply say, well, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? It's just simple. Just climb over it. People are like, uh, yeah, because they haven't done it. They don't have the same intimacy yeah. with challenge that I do. So how do you face that challenge? How do you learn to let go? First, you must identify what it is that's holding you back. Right. All, so all too often we hear people like Tony Robbins, who I'm a big fan of, right, right. <clears throat> say things like, you got to know your why. You've got to have a bigger why. <laughs> the problem with that is that so many people sit around like, oh, like creating a brain hemorrhage, you right. know, and a, like a breaking a blood vessel in their brain because they're thinking and trying so hard to figure out what is my bigger why. And then I've got to apply that big why. Is it my why big enough to move me in my work? Is my why big enough to uh, make transformation in my relationship? Is my why big enough to inspire me to get to the gym? Is my why big enough to help me get over my alcohol problem and so that I can like start eating and, and having a healthier lifestyle? Oh, I've got to get a bigger why, a bigger why. And pretty soon, like nothing happens. Right. Why? Right. Why? Because, you know, I can't find my why. <laughs> So instead, it's better for me because I teach two things to my clients. I teach, A, you can either use empowered action to overcome an obstacle, 
or you can let go. Yeah. B. And when you B let go, what you're letting go of is anything that is limiting you. That could be attachments to your past. That could be belief systems. That could be um, limiting beliefs about your future and your sense of value and your worth and your deservingness. It could be um, letting go of fears of the what ifs of the future, right? And so when you start to become aware, because all transformation starts with awareness. So when you become aware, you start going, oh, hold on. This is what's holding me back. So let me let go of that little bit by little bit by little bit. So here's the way I do that. One of the ways I do it is I say, okay, let's move forward. And then as we move forward, either myself or my clients, as they move forward, what happens is they move forward and then they go, oh, they get stuck. And so visualize this. Think about a gigantic ship anchor, like six or 10 feet tall, like a massive ship anchor, right? And it's dug into the ground, like a little piece of it sticking out. We're going to call that ship anchor your past. The ship anchor itself is your past. Now, what's attached to an anchor? A chain, a rope, a cord, a line, right? Right. And so where are those chains, ropes, cords, and lines connected? Into your own mind, into your own memory, into your own self-assessment, into your own um, uh, sense of personal survival, into your own throat. So maybe you can't really talk sometimes about certain things because your voice was silenced when you were younger. They, they link into your heart. Maybe you've been heartbroken or lost somebody who you love and you're afraid to be vulnerable in love again. They link into your guts where you just have this feeling like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. I don't think that I should do this. So you're limited because you're scared. Yeah. Maybe they link into your sex organs because you've been sexually assaulted in some way. Right. And so here's the thing. If they're all connected to you and they're all connected to the past, everybody wants to believe it's the past that's the problem. The past is not the problem. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. The problem is the chain or the length of chain or cord or rope or line that is attached to you and the immovable past. Yeah. So what happens is as I as we test my clients and say, okay, here's the assignment. Go out and do it. And they go out and do it or they go out and do part of it. Maybe most of it. Maybe not even some of it. Maybe just barely. Oh, I couldn't do it. Okay, cool. No worries at all. Why couldn't you do it? What came up for you that held you back? So now immediately what happens, think about this. You've got stuff tied into your brain. You've got stuff tied around your throat. You've got stuff tied to your heart and your guts and your, your sex organs. And I go, there's your goal. Go get it. And you're like, you start running, right? And you're running, 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 running. And as you run, boom, one of those lines goes taut and your feet come off your out from underneath you and you fly backwards. The doors to your future the doors to your remarkable future are in the past. What I mean is the moment you come off your feet and that chain goes taut and pulls you back, it pulls you back and gives you just enough slack to go, okay, what is what pulled me off? What pulled me off my feet? Right. It's this thought that I had about what my dad said when I was seven. Okay, cool. Now, this is what we get to deal with because this is the first chain that says, hey, if you want to get to that big goal, we just got to get rid of this chain. And you go, okay, cool. I got to get rid of this link. I got to get rid of this tie. I've got to get rid of this binding. So the moment we get rid of this tie, this chain, this binding, this these handcuffs, right? Um, this weight, this resistance, um, this drag, whatever you want to call it, whatever it feels like to you, once we get rid of that, once we let that go, now all of a sudden we can move forward. And then what do we do? We go, okay, there's my goal. <laughs> no, 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 no. I go, ah! 
right? And then another chain goes taut, boom, I come off my feet. And the doors to the remarkable future are in your past. You've pulled back just a little bit, just enough to create slack so you can let go of the next thing. And then the next thing, and then the next thing. And so we're always going to hit obstacles, but that means you're moving forward. We're always going to be pulled back, but that means we're only pulled back because we stretched ourselves. And so when we go forward, we're going to experience obstacles and resistance. That is a sign that you're moving forward and you should be like, this is delicious. (laughs) I'm so glad that this obstacle is here because it's telling me this is one thing that I get to let go of because the more I let go of, the more free I become. Yes. Yes. Can I get an amen up in her? Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? PJ. I'm preaching it, brother. I'm preaching it. I I absolutely love talking to you, man. I I, I, I want to go out and run a marathon right now. I want to go out and and change the world. I mean, the the inspiration that you instill in I mean, me individually and then outwardly into the world, that it's it's so powerful. And to, to bring this whole thing full circle, we need more people who are positive, who are a good influence on those around us so we can just so we can convey the message that you just shared. And we can all challenge each other to step out of the comfort zones just a little bit and see what is holding us back. And so we can work we can work over it. We can, we can overcome our obstacles and we can all make the world a better place. And you are doing that for, for so many people. And I absolutely love that about you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you said the secret word just a little bit. Yeah. Right. Just overcome it just a little bit. Yeah. Right. Just a little, because so many times we think, Oh, we have to do these massive things. Don't think about massive things. Massive things are made of tiny things. Right. So focus on the tiniest of the tiny and eventually you chip it away. There's this great story, right? Where um, the spirit in this man um, was, he was, he was, his job was, he was a rock cutter, right? Yeah. So he's down at the bottom of this, this mountain. He's chiseling away at this, this mountain and the sun is beating down on him and he's so hot and he's so sweaty. And he's just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm thirsty. This is just crazy. I wish I was the sun because the sun must be the most powerful thing in the world. So I wish I was the, I wish I was the sun. And then boom, snap. All of a sudden, there's awareness that he is the sun. And he shifted. And he's like, oh, this is amazing. I don't know if I'm having a vision or I'm now the sun. But look at me. I'm, I'm lighting fires. I'm burning things up. And I'm heating things up. And I'm warming. And I'm melting snow. And I'm, I'm this amazing power and force that feeds the plants and brings the daylight and the sunlight to the children. And I create these amazing sunrises and sunsets. Ooh, I love being the most powerful person or the most powerful being in the world. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait, 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 where'd the, wait, where'd the earth go? Hold on. Wait, no, I'm trying to, I was trying to like heat up that area. Wait, you can't come where, what are you doing? And he realizes that he's not more powerful than the cloud because the cloud goes, mm, that's nice of you, but I'm actually more powerful. So I'm going to block you out and shade the earth or at least part of the earth a little bit. And this, this spirit in the sun that, that's now in the sun goes, wait, 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 I, wait, time out. I want to be the most powerful thing in the world and the universe and the world. And so uh, like, I, I must want to be like, I want to be a cloud. Boom, poof, I'm the cloud, right? And then all of a sudden he's like rain and tornadoes and, you know, um, shading out the sun and, and like making people have like seasonal affect disorder and like, whoa, right. oh, 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 I'm the most powerful thing in the world. <laughs> Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait, wait, hold on. I'm no, I'm still no, I'm trying to make this person's life bad. Like I'm trying to make, you know, I'm trying to bring shade to this person because they've got seasonal affect disorder. I'm trying to shade this person to keep them cool. 
right? All of a sudden, and it's like, no, I'm, where am I going? What's pushing me? The wind. The wind is more powerful. And he goes, well, I guess I'm not, I want to be the wind. So then he becomes the wind. And he's blowing everything around. He's creating the tornadoes and the hurricanes and blowing trees down. And then also creating these beautiful light breezes that butterflies ride on. And, you know, these wonderful breezes for children to fly kites. And these nice, warm spring breezes that just allow people to feel like they can breathe and they come alive again after coming out of the winter. And, you know, just this beautiful little breeze that causes the leaves to rustle in the woods and create this nice, soft, soothing sound. And he's like, I am the most powerful thing in the world. And he's blowing all around the world and everything. And then boom, he's like, wait, 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 hold on. I was going straight. Now I'm going up. Why am I going up? He's like, because I hit this mountain. This mountain must be more powerful than I am. So he becomes the mountain. It's like, I want to become the mountain because I want to become the most powerful thing. And I can't, I flustered and blew and tried so hard to blow down the mountain. But as I huffed and I puffed and I couldn't blow down the mountain, I realized the mountain was more important. So I wanted to become the mountain. So I became the mountain. And I'm this massive, solid stone that everybody admires and reveres. And they climb to the top of it and they pray at the top and they can see these great vistas and um, just the scenic view for people. And people that drive by, they're like, oh, it must be beautiful to live here near that mountain. And other people say, we're so fortunate to have that mountain. And the mountain's like, I finally found it. I finally found the one thing that is the most powerful on the earth. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, what was that? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. What was up? Ah, well, that, that hurt a little. Wait, what was that sound? Chip, 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 chip. Chip, 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 chip. Right. Oh, ah, what's going on? And it looks down. The consciousness goes and looks down and it goes, there's a stone cutter at my base chipping away at me. And eventually I won't be here if he keeps doing that. He must be the most powerful thing in the universe. All things matter. Yes. All things matter. And whoever's listening, you matter. And so do all the small things that Trey was suggesting earlier. Focus on the tiny things and the other things become easier. Yes. Oh, I love that story. I, I had not heard that before. I, I, it's a powerful reminder that we don't have to... I, I, the small things absolutely matter. And as long as we are doing things that are positively affect our lives and the lives of those around us, there's power in that. We don't need to change the world with small actions. Small actions, I guess I should say that small actions will change the world. You don't have to have this big, grandiose declaration. You don't have to, you don't have to become the president of the United States or the world to, to really have a positive effect you just need to you need to be like pj you need to be somebody who's positive and has an uplifting spirit and somebody who's willing to lift the person up next to them to really have a, a positive contribution here and I, I don't know that's just that to me that's extremely important if you want to change the relationship of any relationship that you're in what if it was something as simple as looking somebody in the eyes and smiling yes what if it was as simple as just touching them on their shoulder or their back as you walk by and just saying, good morning? What if it was as simple as just saying, hey, tell me what's going on? And you just sit and listen. Yeah. What if it was as easy as just kissing them on the cheek or brushing their hair with your hand, not even a real brush? Yeah. You know, what if it was simple and small and easy and simultaneously profound and delicious and grateful yeah. Yeah. PJ, before I let you go, I did want to 
see if I want well, you're working on a book and I'm, I'm curious if uh, you have a release date for it, if you want to talk a little bit about it, because I, I know we didn't get a chance to last time. I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about it. Okay. So the book is called Don't Give Up, Get Up. Don't Give Up, Get Up. It's not done yet. Uh, I don't have a release date for it yet. I would love to say three or four months from now. Okay. Um, so that's sort of my goal. I've got a, an earlier goal than that, but I'd love to say that in three, max four months from now, it will at least be in the um, in the early edit phase. Good. So getting close, getting close. Good. Don't give up, get up. Um, and what is it about? Really, it's just about what we've talked about. Yeah. You know, it's about it's about life. It's about how you look at your situation and how you perceive it. And then what you do in reaction or response to that situation, right? So we're all going to experience challenges. We're all going to experience obstacles. It's not the challenge nor the obstacle that's the problem. The problem is how you address the situation. The problem is what you decide or let your unconscious mind decide what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah. Well, then I guess in that case, um, as you get closer to release, we're going to have to schedule another time to talk if you're good with that. Let's do it. That sounds fun. (laughs) Awesome. Well, PJ, since you asked me these three questions last week, it's only right that I get to ask them for you. Um, (laughs) The first question, as we know, is I'm just... Man, I, I want to I want to be a benefit to you. I want to be a benefit to all my guests because these conversations are absolutely invaluable to me. And so I just I, I want to ask the question if if I or if somebody else out in the world hears this and they can help you in any way, shape, or form, what is it you're looking for for either personal, professional growth, or just what can be done to help you? Well, A, we're all looking to grow. So including myself. So there's about 10 million different areas that, and like I said earlier, there's an infinite number of areas that I can grow in. But the one thing that would help me the most, honestly, is we're coming out of COVID and I want to get back on stages again because I'm a professional speaker. And so anyone who owns a corporation, is part of an organization or a company, or runs an event or knows an event coordinator or planner, I would love to be considered um, as a, a guest. I'd love to be considered as a speaker. I'd love to be have an invitation or at least an introduction yeah. um, because if I can get an introduction, then let me sell myself yes. in terms of getting on that stage. But if you like what you've heard today and you're like, I would love for like this person or that person or my organization or that company to really hear his message, please reach out. Easy, easy to get a hold of me. PJ at PJsWisdom.com. PJ at PJs. W-I-S-D-O-M.com, PJ at PJsWisdom.com. Easy to email me there. I would love an introduction. That would make, that would be a delicious um, gift out of COVID and into real life again. Beautiful. Perfect. Um, and I, you know, I, I make it my goal to, to see you up on stage someday because I, I, I mean, this conversation is just, it's incredible for me. I love having this one-on-one, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I've seen your, your reel and I can only imagine the energy that is within an audience full of people as you convey your message and your wisdom. And I, I, I would be so thrilled to have that opportunity. 
Mm. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would be honored and grateful. Absolutely. In the introduction. Um, and then next question, uh, of course, uh, if you could name one book, I, I know this is a super easy question, sarcastically, there's so many books yeah, out there. Right. <laughs> um, if you can name one book that's just had a profound impact in your life, what would that book be? You know, I'd have to go back to Siddhartha, um, the book that my sister yeah. said, PJ, read this book, because it was the first example for me of, oh my gosh, there are people that believe like, I believe that, like, I didn't know other people believed like I believe. I wasn't even sure what I believed yeah. because it was seemed so foreign to me. But when it was spelled out so cleanly and easily, I was I was flabbergasted. I was my mouth was just agape. You know, I was just I was I was I was transformed. Yeah, I was tra now. I don't think everybody has the same experience of the book. Many people are just like, oh, it's a good book. But for me, because it spoke so deeply to my soul. And it just resonated with me and made so much sense to who I am and how I think and how I believe and how I see the world and how I interact with the world and how I interact with my own self, my own being internally. It just spoke to me and it's what opened the door for meditation. Yeah. Now, listen, my grandparents lived in Japan for 10 years, so I was somewhat aware of Buddhism. I was somewhat aware of, you know, ninjas and samurais and all of these kinds of things, which I'm still very much involved in. But the fact that it introduced me to meditation and I never had a meditation teacher up to that point. And I sat in meditation that first time that profoundly changed the trajectory of my life. That's amazing. And one, one more time, can you say the, the, the title and the author again? I just want to make sure I get it right in the show notes. Sid, Siddhartha, S-I-D-D-H-A-R-T-H-A, -H -H Siddhartha Perfect. by Herman Hess, okay. H-E-S-S-E. Great. And I, um, of course, am going to be putting that on my reading list. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And then last but not least, PJ, if you could leave the audience with one call to action that you either live your life by or that you, you ask your clients to live their lives by, what would it be? I'm going to borrow Thich Nhat Hanh's um, statement. And I would say, love in a way the other person feels free. Yeah. Love in a way the other person feels free. I love it. I love it. Me too. PJ, man, I, again, am so thankful for just the introduction to you, the the time we've gotten to spend together, and I hopefully the time we get to spend together in the future. Um, if people would like to contact you, I know you mentioned it a moment ago, what is the best way for people to, to find you, to, to reach out to you? They can check out my website, pjswisdom.com, pjswisdom.com. Um, and it's, you're going to see the old website, but in about, probably in about a month and a half, maybe four weeks, five weeks, um, it's going to shift over into my new website. Perfect. Um, and then there'll be links to my YouTube channel and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but it, if people just want to reach out to me personally, just send me an email or go to that website, pjswisdom.com and send me a note through that, or just send me an email, pj at pjswisdom.com. Love it. I'm real easy. I'm not, I'm not so big that I can't receive an email from, you know, the average human being, right. because I'm just an average human being too, making the biggest possible splash I can. Remember when we were kids and we would like try to do cannonballs? Yes. Dude, I'm like the cannonball king. <laughs> I like want to make a big splash. I weigh like maybe a hundred pounds. Like 
I'm more like, you know, you drop me in water. I'm just like, like, there's no big splash, but I want to make a big splash with my heart, with my message, with my soul, with my energy, with my life, with my vibration, with my vibrancy, because I want to convey all of that to everybody else. I want people to live a delicious life. Yeah. I want you on your deathbed to simply say this. I'm not ready to go yet. This was so much fun. I, 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 PJ, I think the splash you're making is, is bigger than any one person can imagine. And I'm so thankful that you're able to, to share everything that we've been able to in the last hour, but through your work and through the, the positivity that you convey, I, I, I don't know for me. And I, I tried to speak for myself. I am so energized and motivated and just plain thankful for the opportunity to speak to you. And I, I can't wait to continue to be able to spread this message and continue to use it for myself to mm. keep pushing the positivity and the, the well wishes and the well being out into the world. And I, it's, it's because of people like you that mm. people like me exist. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful just to keep sharing your message and I don't know, just thank you. I, I'm at a loss for words. I mean, I'm so thankful for this conversation. It was super fun. Thank you for letting me be here too. I really am honored and grateful um, that I get to be on Mosaic Life Podcast, but even more grateful and um, appreciative and excited about a new friendship yes. with you because you are truly a good man and I want the world to be filled with those kinds of men and human beings and I want them, my life to be filled with really good people too. And again, I feel blessed and fortunate to have you in my life also. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, until next time, which I hope is sometime soon, I, uh, I appreciate it. And look, yeah, let's definitely talk again soon. Roger that, Captain. Again, I would like to extend the warmest thank you to PJ for once again joining me on the podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com. Check out PJ's links, connect with him on social media, shoot him an email. He's one of the kindest, most genuine human beings I've ever had the opportunity to talk with, and I'm sure you were able to get that through these conversations that I've had with him. Are you looking for more content related to happiness and lifestyle design? Check out my second podcast called Bits of Happiness, in which I share short, bite-sized lessons I've learned through these hundreds of conversations I've had on the Mosaic Life podcast. This week, I shared why quitting drinking was the single best decision I've ever made and the effect that decision's had on my life. You can subscribe at bitsofhappiness.life. And of course, I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.